0: This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. Well, I want to talk about a subject that we all deal with, and right now you're dealing with it, but we all deal with it. Some people admit it, some people don't admit it. But the title of this message is How to Conquer Destructive Habits. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn, if you will, to Romans chapter 7. I'm just going to begin by reading a passage here that we received from the Apostle Paul, of course, written by the Holy Spirit through Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He was not a perfect man, but God did choose to use him. Early in his life, he was not a believer. Matter of fact, Saul of Tarsus, we know him as Saul of Tarsus before his Damascus Road experience. He was literally trying to round up Christians tried to put them behind bars. He was okay if people chose to stone them. He was okay with that. He wanted what was called the way among Christ's followers, Christians in those days. He was wanting to stamp out the way. And then he had his Damascus Road experience. He was blinded by that great light, and Jesus himself spoke to him. That's why he is one of the apostles because he had been with Jesus on that road to Damascus. And that man was absolutely changed. From that day forward, he was completely different. He was literally one with Christ Jesus. But now, with all that being said about him, Paul struggled with himself. I struggle with myself. My biggest problem is me And your biggest problem is you. If we live our lives blaming all of our problems on someone else, we will die never correcting them. Our biggest problem is the three musketeers, me, myself, and I. And we have to admit that. And he does this in this passage. Uh, He's speaking to the church at Rome. And he's explaining something that he struggles with. And I'm going to read it. And you tell me that if you don't feel the exact same thing, I know you do. I know what this feels like. We all do. Romans chapter 7, I'm going to read verses 15 down through 25. Listen to what he says. He says, for what I am doing, I do not understand. For what I will to do, that I do not practice. But what I hate, that I do. Do you hate what you do, but you keep doing what you hate. And then the weeks go by, the months go by, the years go by, and you're still doing what you hate. And deep down you know, I can't blame it on anyone, it is me, it is me, it is me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. You can almost hear Paul speaking here out of personal frustration. He's not blaming anybody for anything. He's saying it is me. He said, I'm doing the very thing that I hate. Verse 16, he says, if then I do what I will not to do, I agree with the law that it is good. But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Notice, this is the Apostle Paul. He just said of himself, I'm doing what I hate. He's saying the problem is not someone else. The problem is sin that dwells in me. And I'm giving in to sin that dwells in me. He's admitting it. He says in verse 17, But now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. Verse 18, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh, nothing good dwells. For to will is present with me, but how to perform what is good I do not find. For the good that I will to do, I do not do, but the evil I will not to do, that I practice. He's admitting I'm sinning. He's admitting it. Not only that, he says, I practice. That means I'm doing something over and over again that I hate, and I know better, but I'm doing it anyway. He's admitting this. He says in verse 20, Now if I do what I will not to do, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. He said that twice now. He said, I find in a law that evil is present with me, the one who wills to do good. He's saying, I desire to do good. This is what I believe, including the speaker, me. I believe everyone here desires to do good. I desire to do good. But I believe everyone in here this morning is struggling with themselves to do what they know is wrong. I believe they hate it, but at the same time, they love it. It has to do with our human desires. We're going to look deeply into that. He says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. He says my members. What he's talking about is my body, my head, my arms, my leg, my brain. And inside of me, the immaterial part of me, spirit, soul, body, conscience, intuition, will, all those things. He's saying my members, our members, our total being, our body, our brain, our emotion. Everything can be a tool in the hand of God or not. And God does allow us to make a choice. What will I use? What he created me in my mother's womb. What will I use it for? Will I allow him to be like a hand in the glove? I'm the glove. He's the hand. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says this in verse 25, I thank God. Notice, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the answer right there. It's through Christ because you can't do it. God never said you could. He always said he would. So then, with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. you ever feel this way? I mean, like there's a war going on between you, and what it is, is the war of self and the war of the Holy Spirit wanting to have its way. There's a war going on. There's a battle. That happens to all of us. Now, number one, if you're taking notes, number one, five reasons We fail to overcome sinful habits. Five reasons, and this is the first reason. We trust in our strength. That is, we trust in our mental power. I'll figure out a way out of this habit. We trust in our willpower. I'll try harder. We trust in our emotional power. I will be strong. And it doesn't last. The reason is because we're trusting in our own strength. That's a problem. And that's the first reason that we fail to overcome a sinful habit. Today, it may be for you. It could be alcohol. Or it could be trying to stop smoking because you're addicted to nicotine. Or it could be a prescription drug that you get from a medical doctor that you're now abusing. You really don't need it, but you're hooked on it. Or it could be an illegal drug. Or for some, it may be lust. Lusting after a woman, and it won't go away. And you know that God said no. Whatever it may be, whatever it may be. It could be jealousy. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be being resentful. It could be being prejudiced. It could be a thousand and one thing. But listen... If you try to overcome it in your strength, you will continue to fail. Five reasons we fail to overcome simple temptation. The first one is we trust in our own strength. The second one is this. We are double-minded. We are double-minded. We have a strong desire to overcome a habit, but we also have a strong desire to enjoy our habit. We're double-minded. It's fighting. It's like a black horse and a white horse fighting inside, and whichever one you feed is the strongest. We're double-minded. James chapter 1, verse 8 says, Being a double-minded man, unstable, not in some of his ways, all of his ways. Listen, if you're battling inside, the very thing you hate, you love. And this is going back and forth. And you've been doing it now for years since you were a teenager. You're unstable, not in some of your ways, in all your ways. It's like pushing over dominoes. It's knocked everything over in your life. You have to stop blaming someone else or you'll never be able to fix it. You've got to do like the Apostle Paul said in Romans 7. He's saying it's me. It's the indwelling principle of sin. He says what I hate, I do. What I know to do, I don't do. He admitted it is Paul, and you have to admit it. I have to admit it. So the second reason we fail to overcome sinful habits is we are double-minded. The third reason is this. We fail to understand our position in Christ. Now, this is something I've always had in my mind since I have come down here to this mission. And I told Jeff Patrick this many years ago. I believe that a majority of people who come into this mission are born again. I believe that. Now, if I was in California or New York City, I wouldn't say that. But there is something about the Deep South. Many people grow up with mom or dad or grandma or grandfather or somebody in the family who really is a child of God and took you to church. You may have had a drug problem when you were a child. They drug you to church every Sunday. But then you got older and you drifted away. But most people in the South have been exposed to the teaching of the Word of God. Most people have. That's why I believe a lot of people are born again. But they're like babes still on the milk of the Word instead of meat. And they've made a lot of mistakes, sinful mistakes. And they're just like they're tied and strapped. And they can't be who God always intended them to be. That's what I believe when I come down here. I believe the majority of people I'm speaking to, Christ lives in you, and God sees you in Christ because of the cross of Jesus Christ. You have believed and received, but like Paul, you've been torn back and forth, back and forth. Instead of giving in to the Holy Spirit who lives in you, you've been trying to change in your own strength, and it doesn't last. It doesn't work. So... The second thing is this, we're double-minded. And the third, we fail to understand our position in Christ. Our position in Christ, you say, what is it? Real quickly. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the Bible is clear. Not only did he die for your sin, but he died as you. Even before you were born, God saw you on the cross with Christ, crucified with Christ. There comes a point in your life where you have to believe to receive. But God sees you now crucified with Christ. That is your position. Your condition is your life here on this earth. Your position is how God sees you in Christ in heaven. You say, well, explain that to me. Well, Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I want you to think for just a moment. Picture my Bible as being Christ. Picture my notes as being you. When you believed and asked Christ to come into your heart, He came into your heart by the Holy Spirit. Like a hand goes into a glove. You're the glove. He's the hand. He's in you. You don't need alcohol. You don't need a drug. you got God living in you in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Satan does not want you to know what I just said. He does not want you to know it. He wants you to think you need something that man creates that wears off instead of a God that can never wear off living in you. He's the hand, you're the glove. All right. Not only did he come into you when you prayed to receive Christ, God took you and placed you in Christ just like this. It is clear in Scripture that when Jesus was crucified, you were with him on the cross. You were crucified with him. You say, well, how could that happen? I didn't live 2,000 years ago. Listen. In the mind of God who knows everything from beginning to end, he saw you on the cross with Christ. You're crucified with Christ. When he died, you died. When he was buried in the tomb, you were buried in the tomb. On the third day, what did he do? He was raised. You were raised because you're in it. From the Mount of Olives, the Bible says he ascended. And he sat down on the left hand of the Father, on the right hand of the Father, When God the Father looks at God the Son, he sees you in Christ Jesus. That is your position. Satan does not want you to know this. This is what's holding back you, and it's what's holding back 90% of the people in the local church. They don't know God sees me already in Christ, in heaven at his right hand. So therefore... They have a view of themselves shaped by the world system that's controlled by Satan. If you want to overcome a destructive habit, my friend, listen, you must know I'm born again. You must know that God the Holy Spirit lives in me, and you must know God sees me already perfect in Christ Jesus. That means I've been declared righteous, not because I've lived perfectly. Paul did not live perfectly. He admitted that. But because I was crucified with Christ, my position is God sees me already in heaven at His right hand, justified, just as if I'd never sinned, declared righteous. And listen, you need to see yourself that way. That is your position. And so with that in mind, the third thing is this. A third reason that uh, we fail to overcome sinful habits is We fail to understand our position in Christ, and I just explained it. The truth is this. We're thinking, I've got to win this victory over this habit. According to your position in Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit in you, the victory is already won. When Christ died, I died. He's living in me, and I must surrender control to him, and I overcome the sinful habit. Satan does not want us to focus on this because he knows as long as they can't see this, I will control them until their physical death. They'll never lead anybody to Christ, and they'll never disciple and help grow up a little boy or a little girl in their family because they're in bondage to things that I've created. Satan is having a heyday in this world system. A fourth reason we fail to overcome sinful habits, it's simply this we make provision for sinful pleasures. You say, I'm going to quit smoking as soon as I finish this pack of cigarettes. That is making a provision for the flesh. If you say, I'm going to quit smoking, but you have eight cigarettes left in your pack, put it in the water. If you don't, and you can get to it, you're making provision for the flesh. So, That's one of the reasons we don't get free from sinful habits, is we make provision for sinful pleasures. Romans 13, 14, listen to what Paul says. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Whatever it is, if it's something visual, if it's something you put in your mouth, or something you shoot in your arm, get away from it. Make no provision for it so you can't get to it. You have to remove it from your life. You have to agree, this thing is evil and holding me back and destroying my family members and my friends. You see, our problem is we hold on to what we love. You have to decide. This thing that's controlling me is evil. You have to make a decision. This thing that's controlling me is evil. The fifth Reason we fail to overcome sinful habits is because we hide our secret sins. Satan's lie is this. Sins remain hidden. That's what Satan wants you to believe. But you know what God says in Numbers chapter 32 verse 23? God says, be sure your sin will find you out. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, God is opposed to the proud but he gives grace to the humble. Now, those are the reasons that we can't get free from destructive habits. Now, I want to give you eight steps, eight steps to overcome habits. And the first one is this. Engraft Romans 6 and 8 into your soul. I wish we had time that I could read Romans chapter 6 and read Romans chapter 8. I don't. I'm going to encourage you to get a copy of God's Word. Find someone who has a Bible app and read it from their phone. But read slowly and meditate on Romans chapter 6 and then Romans chapter 8. That's called engrafting Romans 6 and 8 into your soul. Meditate on it. I would encourage you to memorize it. You say, what does engraft mean? It means to make it a living extension of your life so that it can produce spiritual fruit. In other words, you get so fixed on what God's Word has to say that God's Word transforms you from the inside and it begins to show on the outside. So, engraft Romans 6 and 8. So, what does Romans 6 and 8 say? It says that we are to picture ourselves dead to sin. You say, how can I picture myself dead to sin because I'm struggling with it? You have to picture yourself crucified with Christ. Paul said, it's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Picture yourself dead to sin. God's Word says we are dead to sin. Listen to Romans 6:11. Paul says likewise. Remember, this is the same Paul who also would say in Romans 7:15 through 25 that he struggles back and forth, back and forth with sin in his life. This is what he says in Romans 6:11. Likewise you also reckon, that means to consider yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but listen, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord, crucified with Christ. Buried with Christ. Raised with Christ. Living. He's living in us. We need to surrender to Him. It's a living relationship. It's not dead. It's not boring. It's exciting. So when we die to sin, this happened when we became a Christian. We share in His past achievements. What He did on the cross, because we were in Christ, we're declared righteous. What He did has affected all of us we have to see this you see it in galatians 2:20 you see this in romans chapter 6 uh, verse 4 listen to this therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death that just as christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life and then colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says since then we've been raised up with christ keep seeking the things above what did he say Since we've been raised up with Christ, well, when was I lying down with Christ? When we were crucified with Christ, we were buried with him. Since then, we have been raised with Christ. Third day, Christ was resurrected. We were resurrected with him. I'm no longer bound to sin. I'm alive in Christ Jesus. And so God's word says that we're dead to sin. Now, I want you to think about this for just a moment. The law of sin is like gravity pulling. If this earth were not rotating right now, causing gravity, you and I would immediately fly off of it. It is the rotation of the earth that causes the gravity, that causes our feet to stay on the ground. And you know what? You can't defy the law of gravity. If you don't believe me, go climb on top of the tallest building in Memphis and jump off and see what happens. Gravity will bring you all the way back down to the earth every time. Same thing with an airplane. An airplane can defy the law of gravity until the gas runs out. And then it goes back down to earth. Listen. God the Holy Spirit lives in you. He never wears off. He's eternal. He keeps you above the law of sin. But you have to tell yourself no. And you have to tell him yes. Over And over and over again. And he will lift you above what pulls at you and defeats you. You cannot blame it any longer on anybody. It is each individual. Just like Paul who wrote this. He too had to say no to Paul and yes to God. You have to say no to you, yes to God. I have to say no to me and yes to God. You see, God designed the eagle to fly in the air. God designed the Christian to speak his truth in his heart day and night. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me over and over and over again. We ought to be as gladly surrendered to the Holy Spirit as the alcoholic is to the bottle. One wears off, one will never wear off. Amen? A habit will become second nature to you. If you have a habit, it becomes second nature. You're always thinking how to fulfill that habit. Medication can become second nature to you. You say, well, how do I transfer this in a spiritual way to be strong in the Lord? First Thessalonians five seventeen says, pray without ceasing. That means to the degree I'm thinking how can I get the bottle... I'm thinking, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path. If you keep doing that within 30 days, you'll flip the way you think. And what's strong in you now, like Paul, who says, I hate this, but I keep doing it, will flip in you and the Lord will become strong in you. And you'll be so glad when you do this. You can, if you will. You can't blame anybody. Paul didn't blame anybody. He said, it's me. I say it's me. You have to say it's you. See, if you keep blaming, you never take care of it. You finally have to say, I did it. Like Paul, I did it, it's me. But I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen? Amen. Meditate day and night. You see that in Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Let me read that. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Listen to this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. My friend, listen. We have to pray without ceasing. Meditate day and night and speak the truth in our own hearts. You see that in Psalm 15. Chapter two. Basically, it's self-talk. I'm talking to myself from the Word of God, and I'm encouraging myself. You see, you can either live your life in the way of sin, being in proximity to other people, walking in the way of sin, sitting in the seat of the scornful, becoming like them. Birds of a feather flock together. You can either do that or you can choose to say, I'm going to change the way I think. I'm going to meditate on the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to meditate on his word until I flip this and I'm as strong in the things of the Lord as I've been in the things of man that's tearing me up and ruining my relationships and ruining your liver. Remember, you have to have your liver to live. Don't forget that. I might be right. And so we have to pray without ceasing, meditate day and night. What's happening is there's a transformation going on in the mind. And so Isaiah 40, 31 says to wait upon the Lord. Our thoughts are to be in God's word. And we're like an eagle that spreads its wing in its nest and it waits For a gust of wind to lift it out, and then it begins to glide in the canyon. Satan wants us to believe we can't resist him. He wants us to see ourselves as having already failed. Don't listen to him. Listen to God. The fourth step to overcome habits is personalize the truth of Romans 6. Turn it into a first-person prayer. Here's an example. Romans six one. What shall, not we, but I, what shall I say then? Am I to continue in sin? Instead of saying we, personalize it and say I in Romans chapter 6, verse 1. The fifth step to overcome habits is identify. Identify the particular sin you're struggling with. Name it and claim it. Say, this is what it is and I'm guilty of it. Identify it. Whatever it is you're struggling with, name it. Romans 6, one says this. What shall I say then? Shall I continue to drink? What shall I say then? Shall I continue to lust? What shall I say then? Shall I continue to do this drug? In other words, personalize the Bible and say I. Even put your name in there if you want to. And then name The weight of the problem, the sin that's pulling you down and holding you captive. The sixth step to overcome habits, make no provision for the flesh. We've already mentioned that. Remove it from your eyes. Remove it from your ears. Remove it from your taste. Remove it from your touch. And yes, remove it from your nose. Sometimes a smell can lead you into some kind of temptation. And then the seventh step, is get you an accountability partner. Right here in Memphis Union Mission, right now, you have people here who can be your accountability partner. And the eighth thing is this. Be alert and obedient to the promptings of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 6, verse 19 says this. I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members as slaves of uncleanness, And of lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves of righteousness for holiness. Don't give yourself away to the bottle. Give yourself away to the Holy Spirit who lives in you. It's that simple. Keep doing it. And in about 30 days, it'll be easy. And then you'll be telling other people how you did it. Because I'm telling you, this nation is filled with people who wants to know how to kick the habit. And listen, he never said that you could. He always said he would. You can't defy gravity, but an airplane can keep you above gravity. You can't deal with sin in your own strength, in your mind, will, emotions. But the Holy Spirit in you, he can deal with it. If you tell yourself no and tell him yes, you stay above the pull of the law, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Now, how do we yield to sin? How does it happen? I'm going to read this. Watch. This is how it happens. How we yield to sin. We have a sinful desire. That's number one. Number two, we visualize that sinful desire. Number three, we decide to fulfill it. Number four, we become a servant to that sin. Number five, we yield our bodies to carry out what we think Desire and visualize. We carry it out. Now I want you to think about the Holy Spirit. Number one, we experience the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Number two, we visualize our obedience to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Number three, we decide to obey the voice, the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Number four, we are God's servants. We're not servant or addicted to a substance. We are servants of the living God. Number five, we yield our bodies to carry out the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know what I just said, don't you? You see what I just said? Following this world system controlled by Satan, taking into your eyes, ears, mind, mouth, hands, substances created by man to make you feel good, Satan has deceived you, He's flipped you. You're supposed to be listening to the Holy Spirit, desiring the things of God, obeying what you believe He's saying to you, experiencing Him live His life in and through you, the joy of the Lord. Satan is distorting you, hijacking you, and he's giving you a substitute that always wears off. And you believe the lie. Don't blame anybody else. Don't blame anybody else. Paul said of himself, an apostle, I'm doing what I hate. The good that I know to do, I'm not doing. And then he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know what he meant when he said that? Back in those days, one of the ways they executed people who murdered someone, back in those days, they don't do that anywhere now. You know what they did? If they murdered someone, one of the punishments, one of the execution. if you killed that man, they would take you and put you face to face with that man, that dead man. And they would wrap you with rope all the way down from your head to your legs, just like that with that person you murdered. They would take you out to the wilderness and put stakes in the ground so you couldn't move and let you die of starvation and the sunlight, no water, with that corpse. That was your punishment. That's what Paul was saying. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Some of you feel that way with your addiction. Choose to be the glove. Let the Holy Spirit be the hand. Tell yourself no. Tell him yes. And eventually you will see more and more. What I was doing with this substance that controlled me and ruined my relationships in life was the exact opposite of what I should have been walking with God, listening to His prompting, letting Him control my desires, being what He created me to be when I was a little baby in the side of my mom. You can do it, if you will. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.